Welcome to Real Money Talks, how to make money, manage money, and invest money. Your Real Money Talks host, Laurel Langmire, gets straight to the point about what it actually takes to make money and build lasting wealth in today's changing economic climate. If you're ready to get the financial results you've always dreamed of, keep listening. Real Money Talks is the right place for you. And now here's your host, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel and welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks, where we talk about making money, keeping money, investing money, and we do it with the team. So we are here on uh, Laurel's Real Money Talks. At any time, if you have questions or want to connect to our guests, go to asklaurel.com, put in your name, phone number, and email, ask a question, make a request, and we make sure you uh, get taken care of right away. Today, my guest is an IRA custodian. So Joe is with Provident. Joe Campbell's here today. And Provident is a trust company that can self-direct your IRA. So let's just start with what self-directing is, Joe. And welcome, by the way. Thank you. So first of all, a lot of like traditional firms like Fidelity and Schwab, and they'll say they have a self-directed, but that's not what we're talking about. So why don't we just start with describing what self-directed really means? Absolutely. So you're correct. A lot of the more traditional IRA custodians, many of you are probably familiar with the Fidelities, the Charles Schwabs that are tied to more so the Wall Street type assets, your stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. A lot of them will use the term self-directing, but really what they're doing is giving you a handful of products that are still within their wheelhouse and letting you choose from that basket when that's really not the case. Self-directed IRAs in the meaning that I'm trying to portray here is really getting you outside of Wall Street and introducing you to some of the alternative assets that are available. A lot of real popular assets of later, you know, your real estate and oil and gas, and there's there's really a huge list of potential assets that are available to you, and we can can go into that a little bit later, but really that's the, the difference there is traditional assets tied to Wall Street aren't necessarily self directing. It's really everything outside of that that starts to open those doors and allow you to truly invest in some of those alternative assets that we're going to discuss today. Well, and I think that it's interesting because a lot of that basket, as you call it, it's a self-fulfilling basket, right? So you put your money into a self-directed fund at Fidelity, and then you get the Fidelity product suite, right? So do you want Fidelity International, Fidelity Bonds, Fidelity blah, 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 right? So you're still in that product suite of which they get huge, huge fees. So we're talking about self-directing to alternative assets. So that's kind of our definition, but how does a self-directed IRA differ from a traditional IRA? So let's just talk about those two a little bit more. It's really kind of just what we almost discussed here is we're going to allow you to invest in everything that the traditional type IRA custodians or Wall Street, if you will, don't allow you to hold. So if you're looking to do oil and gas or you're looking to do real estate or some of these emerging alternative assets that are starting to come out as of late, Bitcoin and things of the like, a lot of those uh, traditional custodians like the Charles Schwab's and Fidelities aren't going to allow you to do so. And that's really where we introduce ourselves as an alternative asset custodian that allows you to do basically everything else that they don't have a platform to support. And that's really what it comes down to is they just don't have the platform or the reporting abilities to to handle those types of assets where we're geared to be the exact opposite. 
We may not have stocks and bonds and mutual funds to offer you, but if you are looking to invest in those alternative assets, much of which Laurel offers, and I'm sure you guys have heard on previous podcasts, that's exactly where my services could come into play. So talk about some of the different kind of assets. Like I know people have bought cattle, racehorses. You know, we're doing real estate. We have real estate that's actually going to, you know, house cannabis. So they're not really in the cannabis business, but they're on a gross rent receipt. Talk about some of the creative kinds of deals. Like I know you guys have felt fun part of the marina, you know, that we just bought in Dallas. Right. So really, that's some of the, the more, you know, unique products that are available. We've had clients in the past that have invested in island development deals in Belize, or such as the marina formation that Laurel's speaking of. Anybody who's looking to find a unique asset, whether it's rehabbing a company that maybe has gone down, or buying raw land and developing that land, or just buying raw land and letting hunters use it. There's a multitude of ways that real estate really can come into play using a self-directed IRA. There's, there's so many avenues just in real estate alone that you can take advantage of by using your qualified funds and investing in that manner. And that's really one of the more popular vehicles that are out there right now. And of course, there's also some emerging assets that are just mm -hmm. coming to fruition. Obviously, the cannabis and the Bitcoin conversations. I was going to say, you're, like you're allowing, as a custodian, right, people mm -hmm. to invest in cryptocurrency. So the cryptocurrency, there is a way that it can be done, and that's going to go through an IRA LLC, and that may be a whole different conversation yeah. altogether to get some education on that. But uh, the IRA LLC option is one way that you know clients can potentially do that. Holding it in an IRA from a reporting standpoint, and for me as a passive custodian, is still some gray area, but you know, there are some ways that it can be done, and then we can definitely uh, discuss those topics with anybody who has an interest in that arena. Absolutely, because at some level, and what you're saying is like the qualified plan can own an entity, which then you get checkbook control of, and there's a high management criteria. So all that we're talking about, just I need to put a big, you know, qualifiers, don't run out and do what you don't know how to do. Like, that's why I bring experts to these uh, podcasts and conversations so you don't blow up your IRA. So talk about some ways people blow up their IRA, right? So that's that's <laughs> the next thing is definitely you know, as a passive custodian, Provident Trust Group, we won't give you any investment advice on specific assets. You need to buy this one right now. You, you do need to do some vetting and educate yourself on some of these potential assets that are out there. And absolutely, there there are you know many ways to learn that information. And, and Laurel, I, I know mm -hmm. you can definitely you know, speak to that with all of the vast assets that yeah. you've already invested in over the years. Definitely have some insight there. But once you've identified the asset, some things that you don't want to do is really what the IRS is going to identify as prohibited transactions or dealing with disqualified persons. So a lot of times, especially in the IRA LLC model, which is very popular in the real estate realm, is they use that model to purchase a piece of property, and now they go down to Home Depot and purchase some ceiling fans yeah. and install them themselves. Uh, just because you know it's a property held in your IRA, you as the individual are a disqualified person. So sweat equity and some other unique terms can come into play. Not that you can't do it. An IRA LLC is a great vehicle that allows you to have management control of those funds to make those types of purchasing decisions on the fly, mm -hmm. which is great with auction properties and things of the like, where you may need to have instantaneous access to that cash flow. But really, what you don't want to do is self-dealing or dealing with other individuals who may be disqualified. More so, just keep in mind that you want to do arm's length transactions. Don't buy a house from your parents. Don't uh, rent your house out to 
your siblings. There are some disqualified persons that are you know, rules that you definitely don't want to cross those boundaries. Uh, and that's you know, definitely something we can talk about as well. And then the next thing really is going to be prohibited transactions, more so on the sweat equity that we mentioned earlier. You don't want to pay yourself to do any business on properties or assets that are being held in your IRA. You don't want to cross that line and definitely keep it an arm's length transaction when you're doing those types of investments. But absolutely you can. There's just a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. Make sure that you're doing it the right way. Well, and I think that's also why we stress team is you shouldn't be making any of these decisions alone. The other person that should be in this conversation with you would be probably a tax advisor, your state advisors. I mean, I think of the calls that we've had in the, especially the last month in my setups and the amount of, you know, I had three or four different lawyers and granted I did a pretty complex transaction. So with the complex transactions, you've got to have lawyers, tax strategists, and Joe. There you go. I'm going to create the vehicle that lets you do these types of alternative assets. So talk about the difference between a Roth and a traditional. So the Roth and the traditional, this is where a lot of people, and and this is going to be a unique conversation for each individual, depending on how old you are currently, how much you have in a traditional, how much uh, conversion if you decide to convert any of those funds to Roths. There's a lot of scenarios that would come at play here, but give you kind of the 30,000 foot view on the differences between a traditional and a Roth IRA. The biggest difference is going to be, do you want to pay taxes on it now or do you want to pay taxes on it later? And what I mean by that is with the Roth IRA, you know what tax bracket you're falling into now. You know what that tax is going to do when you start making contributions to your IRA. So funding that on the front end, a Roth IRA, as long as you meet all the other criteria, you know, you're at least 59 and a half, you're not doing early distribution penalties and things of the like, is a way for you to make those contributions into an IRA, invest those dollars into some of these alternative assets that Laurel's discussed, and then when you start getting those rates of return, that is all tax-free income, (laughs) tax-free distribution. So fast forward this conversation 20 years and you you turn that $5,000 that you paid taxes on and turn it just into even just a $10,000 difference. That $10,000 now is completely tax-free when you decide to start taking those distributions at retirement age. So, you know, there's there's some factors there that you need to keep in mind. You do need to be 59 and a half, and, you know, there's the five-year rule that's also involved with the Roth IRAs. But once you meet those tick marks that the IRS requires you to meet, it's all tax-free earning that you're making on those investments in a Roth IRA. Where with a traditional, you may not pay taxes on your contributions year one, year five, year 10. But whatever those assets do in the course of that time frame, 10, 15, 20 years, now you've hit retirement age and you want to start retiring and taking those distributions, you're now paying taxes on everything that's grown in that IRA. Whether it's the 5,000 that you initially contributed for the first 10 years or the $100,000 that it made over the course of the last 20, you're paying taxes on all of it. And depending on age, and you know, there's a couple factors where it may you know, not be a good idea, depending on where you are in age and things of the like. But definitely look into the Roth and traditional options. Weigh those options and uh, definitely take a look at it. The Roth is a very, very exciting alternative asset vehicle should you choose to take advantage of. Well, yeah, and I think the, the other variable to that, too, for all of you that are listening is you don't know in 20 years or whatever time frame what the tax rate will be at that point. I mean, God forbid it's, you know, we ever head back to Reagan days, right? 
<laughs> in the 18s and 20s, but you don't know. So part of the strategy that we keep educating and talking about is you controlling your wealth, you controlling your distributions, you controlling your plan versus like keeping the tax piece, I think, in our conversation, a unknown variable is a very high, I mean, for a lot of us that are really playing a bigger game, I mean, it's a big risk factor. I mean, the difference between 4%, 10%, 12%, 18%, 20 I mean, there's huge, huge dollars that you could be losing if you waited till later. Correct. So talk a little bit about other, just to have a Roth. I don't. I think it's very misleading. Like my children have had Roth, but they also have worked for the company legitimately and had W-2 income. What is the qualification to get a Roth? Because I think that's been, you know, exaggerated, confused. So what, what's the truth? So really with an IRA, there's really one thing that you need to be, and that's, well, for starters, citizen of the United States. And do you have any earned income? If you have earned income, you have the ability to contribute to your own IRA, an individual retirement account. So as long as you're meeting that criteria, you absolutely can make contributions to an IRA. Now, if you only made $5,000 this year, you can't contribute $5,500. You need to make sure that earned income at least equates to what your contribution to that IRA is. But Really, it's, it's as simple as being a resident of the United States and, and having earned income. There's really no... Is there a top-limited income where a Roth isn't qualified? So now with the Roth, you do need to pay attention to your high-income earners. Now, there are MAGI limits and things of the like that you do need to adhere to based on whether you're filing separately or if you're filing married. Those are definitely uh, some things that could prohibit you from making contributions to a Roth, but definitely not making contributions to an IRA. In that case, the traditional IRA would definitely be an option that's still available for you to start putting some of those monies away into a retirement account so you can still continue to invest. But, you know, the Roth option may not work for you if you are a high income earner and you are making more than what the Maggie limits do state that you cannot invest into a Roth IRA any longer. Okay. And then one more is talk about the difference between a 401k and a solo 401k. They're very different products. You know, we're not big fans of the 401k because it comes with a job and your companies, frankly, control it. And welcome to Enron, I always say. (laughs) So talk about the differences in what entrepreneurs do with the solo. A lot of people hear the term 401k, and that's usually, just like Laurel said, is going to be associated with a retirement plan that is at your place of employment. Uh, maybe you work at a you know a Best Buy or a legal practice or you know really any job if you will that has a plan that they allow you to be a part of. That's going to be your 401k. Where the solo K changes the game a little bit, if you will, is if you own your own business or you're an entrepreneur and you set up your own entity to do business for yourself and you don't have any employees. Maybe you're a consultant. Maybe you're just doing a brand new business startup. A solo K is really a retirement plan for your business, almost like a 401k is to the Best Buys and the Walmarts of the world. A solo K is really a 401k plan for you as the small business owner or entrepreneur individual who's looking to get their own business started or maybe has that business already operating and doesn't know that the solo K program exists. It's really a, a program that is geared to you know, the smaller business owners or those business owners that are just starting out. There are some limitations with the solo K. So a 401k plan is obviously a much larger scale where it appeals to a company of many, you know, in the thousands or larger, where the solo K is really meant for you as the entrepreneur, the business owner, and one other participant is allowed to 
to be a part of that solo K plan, and that is your spouse. So it's it's really a plan that's geared towards those entrepreneurial states of minds and those business owners that are just doing it for themselves and don't have a large corporation, if you will. And so can you do business with the IRA? Like once it's set up, let's say you have a solo 401k, how can you access or use those funds once you start putting that money away? So the solo K is also one of the only options. Once you start putting those funds in, it functions very much like a self-directed IRA does that you can still invest in all of these alternatives. So that portion of it doesn't change. Whether it's an IRA or a solo K, it still allows you to invest in these alternative assets that Laurel's been speaking to. And it also is the only plan that allows you to take out a loan. So again, back to that entrepreneurial state of mind or opening up that brand new business, maybe you do need to take a loan out to get your business started. Obviously, being in the retirement world, we're not fans of borrowing against your retirement account, but it is the only plan that gives you that option. Naturally, in order for your business to succeed and make money so you can start putting away some money into those retirement vehicles, you need to get that program or that company operational. And that's definitely one extra tool that the Solo K plan has to allow you to pull some of that capital should you ever need to use it to help grow that business. Yeah. And one of the things, just for all of you listening, I mean, if you're at a job right now, the only thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, is that you can't roll that 401k while you're at the job. There's very few, if any, companies that allow you to do it because they're retaining all that cash. But once you quit, then you can do the self-directing that we're talking about. But for the people who are out there and have a job and have a 401k, they can borrow up to 50000 typically against a lot of those 401k programs. Correct. So a lot of the 401k programs do have the similar rule that the Solo K program does, where it will allow you to borrow a maximum of $50,000. Really, the rule is 50% of the account's value up to $50,000, which basically means you only have $60,000 in the account. The maximum you'd be able to borrow there from a 401k or a Solo K plan would be $30,000. If you had a million, the maximum you could borrow would be 50000 So there is a cap on the maximum that you can borrow, but typically the rule is 50% up to that $50,000 mark. And so what does it take to get one set up? I mean, obviously, again, you for all of you listening, if you want to have a one-on-one you know, conversation with Joe or his team, go to asklaurel.com, put in your name, phone number, and email. We'll get it over to Joe so he can respond immediately to your questions. So somebody calls you, kind of what's the process? Assessing where they are, which products they need, kind of walk us through that process once the phone rings. Got you. <laughs> so, so once the phone rings, really it's going to be a couple exploratory conversations just to make sure we know where the money's coming from. Is it an old 401k? To make sure, A, it can move. Or if you're opening up just a brand new IRA just to get started. You know, we can definitely identify some of those wants that are there. And usually once we get past that phase of the conversation, It really comes down to filling out the application. And once that's completed, we can have the account established for you. And in less than 72 hours, you'll have an account number that's ready to start accepting those funds, whether it's rollover from a former employer or making the first contribution into your own retirement account. But typically, if we're rolling funds from a previous custodian, maybe you have an IRA that's tied to Wall Street or that old 401k that's, you know, no longer part of your current job, depending on where it's located, Most custodians are are pretty quick to move those funds, and usually you're talking maybe seven to ten business days, but some of them can take two to three weeks. So 
really to get the account ready, start to finish, account number, all the way to making your first investment or at least getting the account funded, you're usually looking at about 30 days, give or take a couple days in either direction. Um, but that's usually a good number to kind of count on uh, if you decide to make that decision to, to go ahead and set up a self-directed IRA. Okay. Or solo K. Or solo. Or right. Roth. Any or a Roth, yeah. exactly. So, again, for you to know, talk to experts. A lot of you, you know, looking on the Internet, you're getting conflicting information. People that are in the traditional space financially are going to want to keep you where you are. Keeping you where you are keeps them high fees and more taxes, typically. So uh, we provide, you know, these alternative choices. Joe, uh, a few more questions. So tell us about the most kind of creative. Let's go to the end. Not giving any advice. To talk about, you know, some of the more creative setups you've done and how people have successfully used the structures that are available. Because most people that are listening don't even have an idea. And these same principles, by the way, work for in Australia for superannuations. They work for, in fact, we have, have Provident Partners in, in Australia. They work in Canada for RSPs. So framework-wise, the financial systems are set the same, which is how you'd use different ones. So give us some creative ones. So I think one of my favorites was, and it's a local story, uh, Provident Trust Group is located in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we had an individual that purchased a piece of raw land right off the freeway. Naturally, this is before Vegas hit its huge growth spurt and purchased a plot of land that ended up being, and held on to it, obviously, using their retirement accounts and held on to it for just over a year. And we're talking purchased a property for, for pennies on the dollar in contrast to what it's worth now. But it literally takes a $100,000 investment on a piece of raw land that happens to be bought by a casino hotel developer. So lo and behold, holding out, she got a premium for that property and became literally a, a Roth IRA millionaire in about a year just with one raw land investment. So, you know, those rare gems out there are always great stories to talk about. Uh, Mitt Romney could be another one we can go to talk on that all day. Or, well, give us a little bit of a story <laughs> on Mitt. So Mitt Romney or even maybe you guys have heard of a former Facebook employee that purchased shares into Facebook when it was in its developmental stages using their Roth IRA. Really? So, it's your story. Really. Using these IRAs and investing into business startups, if those business startups take off and get huge, like some of the corporations that you know Mitt Romney invested in or former employees of Facebook investing their dollars into shares using retirement funds back when it's a privately traded company. Now, publicly traded, different story. But, you know, when they're in those infancy stages and they are really just a startup company that's not public yet, those companies make it and become successful. Ah, it's... Their million-dollar It's Ross. just exciting to talk about. <laughs> so so you have to disclose a little. So I don't know the whole Mitt story. Like, how much has he got in his raw? Millions? I, I don't know if I can millions even... I don't millions? Even, it's millions upon millions. He, he definitely did it the right way. In fact, he's done some strategies that are beyond me. But uh, really, it's that's what it comes down to, uh, you know, finding those those gems, if you will, whether it's raw land that gets purchased by hotel developers or investing in a company while it's small and, and watching that company turn into a Fortune 500 that's publicly traded and your stock shares in that company just fly through the roof. A great way to make some great returns you know, on those types of investments using a self-directed IRA. There's a multitude of them, like, yep. I, like I mentioned, but those are some of the exciting ones. And yeah, and like I have set up, and let's just give uh, the folks that are listening, if you do have kids, you know, we have a 30-year millionaire plan. You know, I like my three- to five-year plan, but if you want to go the slow route, 
you know, having your kids legally work for your company and get a Roth for 30 years invested at 10%, you put in 5,500, they will be right at a million dollars. So I think some of you listening, you know, 5,500 is hardly any money to put away. I mean, it's not even 500 bucks a month to put away for your children and uh, help them uh, on their path to financial freedom. So we're huge fans of Roths for the family, for the family members, for the kids. And if you do have a high paying job, I mean, that's just another strategy we'll talk about. We've had a lot of entrepreneurs dump their income that they're paying themselves too much so they can actually qualify for that Roth. You know, because during the past administration, it was at risk to go away. So I would say, get one while it's hot. (laughs) (laughs) While it's still available. Exactly. So Joe, any other advice for the folks that are listening? Educate yourselves on the options that are out there. A lot of people just stick with the plan that their employer offers them, and and that's great, but there are a lot of options that are out there, a lot of alternative investment strategies that uh, may be something you're already familiar with. You have a lot of realtors, real estate agents. They don't know they can do real estate in an IRA, and they work around real estate all their lives. So it's it's an asset that they're very comfortable with, and maybe just, just don't have the education that they even can do this in the first place. So explore the options. See what's available out there. There's, there's definitely uh, more things the IRS allows you to do than things that they don't. There's really only a handful of things that the IRS says you can't do. And you're talking you know, artwork, collectibles, alcohol. The, the list is extremely small in contrast <laughs> to the list that's available of all these other business ventures and real estate and, and all these alternative investment options that are out there is a much, much larger basket. Absolutely. So you've been listening to Laurel's Real Money Talks. Joe, thanks for being on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And uh, we will be bringing Joe as well as other experts back to you at all times to talk about the different alternative investment strategies, education, things that most people hear about but don't take advantage of. So again, if you have any questions, go to asklaurel.com, put in your information, and we will be back in touch with you on our next show. Be well. Thank you for joining Laurel for this segment of Real Money Talks, how to make money, manage money, and invest money. To continue this new conversation and to find free resources to support your wealth creation, visit asklaurel.com forward slash podcast gifts. That's A-S-K-L-O-R-A-L dot com forward slash podcast gifts. Thanks for listening and join us again soon. New episodes are released every week.